Today, I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 150. Pastor George is fixated on fireworks this 4th of July, and he examines the kinds of fireworks that get set off in churches today. Let's listen together. Yep, it's 4th of July. Fireworks. Fireworks all over the L.A. Basin. Happened Friday night right over here at the country club. They started banging away. I didn't go out to look at them because I've got them memorized. <laughs> Last night, around our neighborhood, they started going off pretty late, and they were going well after midnight. I don't think they were authorized by anyone. And then uh, uh, tonight, the Rose Bowl will go wild. I mean, it's going to be a maximum show, America Fest, and climaxed by the fireworks. Um, certainly, if that's what we do in celebration of the founding of our country, our worship of the great creator God should be fireworks. It should be excitement from beginning to end. <laughs> Today I want to talk about fireworks worship. Because there are some people who are dedicated to fireworks in their worship services. And they're going to make it happen. Now, I want to say that the Old Testament temple which was ultimately built by Solomon. It was grand and every aspect of it was full of gold and precious stones and there were courses of priests and Levites and there were uh, singers and there were dancers and uh, this uh, psalm, Psalm 150, is an expression of some of the excitement. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him, I should have had a cue and we'd have all those sounds coming. A trumpet sound and with the lute and the harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. And finally in climax, praise him with the tuba. Oh, no, doesn't say that. I'm sorry. Uh, that was my part in the school band. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. I mean, it, you, you kind of have to outdo each other in praising God. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the one difference between that kind of worship and what I'm calling uh, fireworks worship in the modern church is that the focus is all on God. The praise is all toward God. And too many churches have an experience that's designed to be fireworks, but it's focused on the worshipers. It's focused on the individuals. Actually, for me, it was epitomized in Flip Wilson's 1970s character, 
uh, Reverend Leroy, and you remember him? He was the pastor of the Church of What's Happening Now. I've always remembered that because it made me realize that we all want to be the church of what's happening now, don't we? And it drove me online, and, uh, and I started looking around for church names that had a kind of a fireworks feel to them. And I found one church that was pretty close to that. It actually was a little better than Flip Wilson's church. It, it, it's called the Church of Incredible Happenings. It's in uh, John, uh, Joburg, South Africa, Prophet Mboro's church. And uh, some interesting scenes I found on YouTube. I went and found uh, the World of Flame Church. Uh, I, I was interested, their prayer meeting is called War on the Floor. I'm trying to picture that. You're praying on the floor and you're at war with the date, the devil, I guess. Uh, and then there's Action Church, and there are several churches with the name Church on the Move. I was trying to look for an explosion church. I did find uh, in Myrtle Beach, Florida, a church with the name Ignite Church. And uh, you never know what's going to happen once you strike that match in, in that church. They do have a youth group, which is called Youth Explosion. And uh, the desire to have a fireworks experience in church, it's always there because we feel like if, God, if this is truly a, 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 spirit, a supernatural uh, uh, fusion in the church, the, the super ought to be there more. And we ought to feel God and experience God. And uh, I, I did go back in history and found um, a lot of outbreaks of fireworks churches. Uh, beginning in the early 1800s, um, uh, there was uh, Madame Guyon and the movement around her. Uh, the Great Awakening had a number of tent meeting revivals that had a lot of um, fireworks. And uh, then um, in uh, the uh, the uh, uh, First part of this century, uh, in 1906, the Azusa Street Revival started in LA, right, on Azusa Street in LA. And that was the beginning of the modern Pentecostal movement. And a lot of Pentecostal groups have grown out of that. One of the phenomena, I wasn't surprised to find out, was that a lot of people in that movement had experiences of the Holy Spirit, which led to expressions that were dramatic and they were authentic. But, but you know, once you try to reproduce that experience, it may not be authentic because when you're trying to reproduce that experience or, or to outdo that experience, you may, you know, kind of fudge a little. And so the desire to have a fireworks experience itself has a, a drive to it. And so there's a great uh, preacher of the time, uh, Benjamin Hardin Irwin, who, uh, you know, people were calling for a second work of grace, which would be a fire baptism. And the fire baptism comes from uh, 
the uh, passage in Matthew 3 where John the Baptist said of Jesus, I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So you, you say, yeah, that, that's what we want, the Holy Spirit and fire. But John continues saying, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Well, that's not the kind of fire I had in mind. The Holy Spirit and fire in that passage talks about God's judgment. But there, the desire to have a, a second work of grace, which came to be known as fire baptism, because things happened in this baptism of the Holy Spirit, led to people calling for a third work of grace. Well, you've had the second work of grace and you've spoken in tongues and you've had these experiences, but there's more. There's this, and Benjamin Irwin talked about the baptism he was talking about, the Holy Spirit baptism, which would be a third work of grace. And he called it dynamite baptism. In fact, he, he, he said, he, I, he went beyond that and said Lydite baptism. Well, I looked it up and Lydite was a compound of the time, which was known, it was kind of like saying nuclear baptism. It was known to be more powerful than dynamite. So that kind of tendency, when we're looking for fireworks in worship, uh, that kind of tendency can lead us astray. And, and it, it's, a, it's a stubborn thing. Think, think of how the, how the Quakers got to be called Quakers, or the Shakers, which is another group. Uh, because the Quakers were part of what they called the quietist movement, and they, they would just sit around and experience and meditate, and then somebody started quaking. And, and, and it was an experience, it was a, a spontaneous experience in their midst. Later on, the Quakers said, you know, they dissociated themselves from that. But, but that, if that happens spontaneously, that's wonderful. But if in the next meeting, I go to the meeting and say, boy, Sister Brown started quaking. <laughs> she really got the spirit. I, I need to look for that and I involuntarily start quaking. And you see how we can build a movement of expectation. So back in the 1950s, we experienced the charismatic movement, which is different from the Pentecostal movement in the early part of the century. And that charismatic movement popped up not just in so-called Pentecostal churches, but in uh, uh, the Catholic and Episcopal, Methodist, Baptist, all over. And I was in Massachusetts as a pastor at that time, and it was amazing what was happening in all these circles. But experiences were kind of duplicating themselves. And, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't buy it. And uh, I, it was a meeting I went to. I went with a Assemblies of God pastor who was a friend of mine, so he was kind of an old school Pentecostal. 
And we went to this meeting where a, an Episcopal priest stood up with an English accent and preached a very stoic kind of sermon. And then all of a sudden, he broke into speaking in tongues. And then he went really, everybody in the group kind of went off with him. And I'm looking at my friend, and my friend was looking at me. So we talked to a guy afterwards, and he told us all the miracles that were happening. And he said, there's healings all the time, and you, you, know, you can see it. I said, what? What, what, what have you seen? And he said, I saw a woman come in here with a big goiter, and he prayed for her, and the goiter just fell off on the ground. I said, wait a minute. So I'm thinking, a goiter is an enlarged thyroid. You don't want that to fall off. You just want it to get small. So I, I asked him, where is it? And he said, what? I said, somebody's got that in a jar somewhere, right? And he, he thought I was crazy. That's okay. But it, it, kind of, it kind of dramatized for me that how you can, your expectation of fireworks can produce the fireworks. And then in 1994, the Toronto blessing happened up in Toronto. And a lot of the churches in this area got the spill off from that. And you know what? That church, which started out as a vineyard church, changed their name to Catch the Fire Toronto. So, you know, you live to catch the fire. And, and you can, as I did, go on YouTube and see some of the experiences people were having. They range from speaking in tongues and healings to being slain in the spirit, which means all of a sudden a person just goes down as if they were dead. And holy dance, well, I do holy dance once in a while myself. And, and, and ecstatic trembling and body spasms and loud explanations, exclamations like laughter and famous to the Toronto blessing was barking and, and lion roars. And all of this, to me, was a, almost predictable in the excitement and expectation of playing Can You Top This? And if they're spiritual, we have to be more spiritual. You repeat and you outdo each other. So I gotta tell you, folk, if you go online, you gotta be prepared for anything. I stumbled on snake handling. Now, snake handling has biblical roots. If you go back in, in Mark 16's version of the Great Commission, the Lord Jesus said, go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. And those signs will accompany those who believe by using my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hands. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. And then there's a story in the book of Acts about Paul going to a, the island of Malta uh, on his way to Rome, and he gathered a, a bundle of firewood and a viper, that's a snake, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. 
And when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, this man must be a murderer, though he's escaped from the sea. Justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were expecting him to swell up or drop dead, but after they had waited a long time and saw that nothing unusual had happened to him, they changed their minds and began to say that he was a god. So now, that's, a, that's an interesting transition because what looks like a proof of spiritual power became a proof of an alien deity in their minds. And, and so Paul's experience of this was not necessarily something I'd want to build my future on. And of course, most churches don't practice that. But there are some Appalachian churches that do, and you can watch the services online, and you can actually watch a man be bitten, and you can see him get sick, and afterwards he died, just as his daddy had died, and his grandfather had died. People by their own testimony, he said, a lot of people don't come to church because we do this. So that kind of fireworks didn't draw people to church. It sent people away. So uh, you missed the drama, right? That's why you're here today. Something's gotta happen, right? not. <laughs> what is going to happen is your weekly science lesson. This week it's not biology, but it's physics. In physics, when there's a release of energy in some way or another, that can produce work if we can harness the energy. And uh, the, way, the way this happens is that you know, we harness the en energy by, let's say, a water wheel on a stream. And we get that water wheel and it drives a mill and produces power to grind our wheat. Or we pedal a bicycle. So the energy in our legs runs that pedal and runs the wheels and we can drive long distances. That's work being done by the release of energy. and. Uh, a yoke of oxen is, you take these animals and all the work they do can be harnessed with a plow so that you can, you can plow your field. Electric grid, the wires that give us all the services in our homes. Controlled explosion like an internal combustion engine in your car. That's a controlled explosion. Fireworks are another kind of controlled explosion. But contrary to their name, they don't do any work. They don't do any work. Moving from physics to chemistry, I'm going to show you some fireworks. Now, you'll see them in all colors. You know why they're different colors? Because each metal, and they're all coming from different metals, the, uh, the red one comes from st of, um, strontium, and the uh, blue one, copper, green, I'm not sure all of them. But each of those burning metals has a different color to it. And by packaging things, that's what they do. But in each case, they're 
putting together uh, raw materials for a controlled explosion. Okay, so here's your chemical formula. You ready to learn something? Okay, there it is. So we have combustible materials, and you see that arrow, the underneath for you chemistry people, that's the catalyst. It's the ignition. Combustible materials include the uh, various uh, things that are gonna burn, plus oxygen, plus a binder to hold them together, and then you'll light the fire, that's the ignition. And what do you get out of it? A lot, a lot, a lot of energy. And it comes to you in the form of light, sound, and a lot of heat. But no work is done. It, I, I put over that second arrow, oohs and ahs. Because that's what we're looking for, oohs and ahs. The, what, the end results, when you're watching fireworks, you'll see little lights come down and then they disappear. That is a burning ember, and it ends up being ash all over the ground in that area. They're throwaway ashes, and then there's a lot of noxious gases that are produced. All bad things for the environment, uh, the gases and the ashes. But we get our oohs and ahs out of it. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that's what fireworks worship can be. The work is what's important. And if the work doesn't come out of our worship, our worship is worthless. The Rose Bowl tonight, you don't think I work on these sermons. <laughs> At the Rose Bowl tonight, there will be 2.5 tons of explosives. And that's a modestly big, I've found some fireworks that are, that are, are major fireworks and there are as many as eight uh, uh, tons of explosive. This produces 5.5 gigajoules of energy. Now I'm sure you all know what a gigajoule is. <laughs> I figured this out. And the amount of energy that's going to be produced at the Rose Bowl tonight is enough to run three houses for a month, the electricity in three houses for a month. So I'll be one. You can, and the other two people, we can get the Rose Bowl to close their fireworks instead put the money into our housing electricity. But the fireworks are there just because we want the oohs and ahs. They don't do any work. I'm willing to have them because I like oohs and ahs. But I gotta know that at the end, they're just gonna be ashes and noxious gas. Just waste products, lots of energy, but no work. So if you uh, want fireworks worship, this isn't the place for you. I can give you some addresses um, but there was a time in the Elijah's life when he had an encounter with God and he looked for a place where he could meet God and it's recorded in 
1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. And it says, he said, get out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. So he went out there. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind and earthquake, the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. And that's when the Lord spoke to him. Now, that's a really interesting phrase. In the King James, which you may be familiar with, it says, a still, small voice. And that's pretty accurate translation. So how can you have a still voice? Um, it, it, it really is extreme. It says a silent voice. A, a still, small voice. Sheer silence. Paul Simon did not write those lyrics to the sound of silence. Isaiah did. This small voice by which the Lord wants to speak to us can be drowned out by a boisterous wind, by shattering earthquake, by dramatic fireworks, but it can be seen here in our communion service. This is where the still small voice speaks to us. There are some religious groups who only do communion for their worship service. Can you imagine? Week after week, just sharing the communion elements and meditating on them. No fireworks. But this is God's still small voice to us this morning. And it speaks volumes. And we're going to experience the table of communion and uh, we'll talk about it from the table. But let's just bow in a time of silence and meditation. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.